That last phrase that we sang about wandering, never let me wander from thee. Never leave the God I love. I hope the singing of this song this year has not become routine for any of us. Because this song does speak of assurance. It really speaks of the whole plan of salvation from beginning to end. I hope when you sing this song following this year, you'll have a new appreciation for the fount of every blessing that we have when we come before the Lord. In Proverbs chapter 21, in verse 16, there's this statement that says, a man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. One translation says, will rest in the congregation of the dead. In that short verse, we have three or four things that stand out. First of all, we have individual responsibility. A man. Then you have a path. Wanders from the way of understanding. And then we have an end. Will rest in the assembly or congregation of the dead. We sing that song, this particular proverb struck me. Of never let me wander from thee, wander from the God I love. And when I sing that verse and read this passage, I had to ask myself, why in the world would we? Why would we even need a contemplation or thought about wandering from the God we love? We have every reason not to. But man has done that very thing. Man has wandered from the God we love. We sit in the very beginning with Adam and Eve. There was a wandering from the God they should have loved. We sit with Israel as they wandered from the God, as they wandered through the wilderness. And we see a warning of it throughout Scripture, take heed lest you fall. This expression, wander from the God we love, does not speak of one great blowout all of a sudden. This idea of wandering is more like a hemorrhaging that takes place. It's slow, sometimes imperceptible. Hebrew writer will talk about this in chapter 10, verses 28 through 29, that we do not fall away as those who are sons of perdition. We do not turn back. We do not wander away like those who are sons of perdition, who are destined for condemnation. You have an illustration of it in this, in this man that once is praised by Paul, whose name is Demas. The most of the time when we hear that name, we don't think about the man that was praised by Paul at the end of Colossians. We think about the man that Paul speaks of in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Having loved this present world 
wandered away from the God he should have loved. You have this revulsive scene in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 19 through 21. It talks about those who have known the knowledge of God, have turned from it. They've escaped the lust that's in the world, the knowledge of God, but have turned from it. And here is the revolting thing. As a dog turns to his vomit, and a hog to the wallowing in the mire. Here is the picture of someone who wanders away. But that passage kept wandering away and stayed away. The Hebrew writer will talk about in chapter 6. Of those who have tasted the heavenly gift. Been enlightened by the Spirit. Ricky's translation is, you have tasted the best of all that God has to offer. You've experienced all the Spirit has to offer. And you've experienced all the Son has to offer. And then he says this, it's impossible to renew them again to repentance. <clears throat> That's a sad statement, isn't it? That here are people who, who having tasted all that God has to offer, not in weakness do they walk away, but in strength they walk away. In full understanding they walk away. And he says to them, it's impossible to for them to return to repentance. Not impossible for God to forgive, but impossible because their heart will not be turned, their heart will not be changed. And so we see all through Scripture that there's wandering that takes place. And so we're warned about that. We have been forewarned about that. <coughs> Pardon me. How many times in our lives have we been forewarned about something, but that made no impression on us? We went about doing good and well what we wanted to anyway. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this next, next couple of things because I want to get to the end about some things I hope that will help us prevent it. And I don't know, I can't answer for you. I can't answer for you with regard to, to some things that may, what may cause you to wonder. I, I, I don't know what you might think about that. But I began to think and tried to put together some things that might cause us to wonder. These are just a few things that I came, came up with. First of all, because we think we know best. And what I mean by that is, we put our feelings before the objective promises of God. And we put greater trust in our feelings than we do in the objective promises of God. Because we think we know what's best. Second, I thought of taking God's grace for granted. There's a restlessness that occurs with our faith. And with that restlessness, it just seems to cause us to wonder because we have lost a focus on that beautiful gift of a big word that we don't really comprehend a lot, and that is atonement. Here is one who offered himself as a sacrifice for me. He atoned. <coughs> he atoned for my sins. He provided he made forgiveness possible for my sins. And we get distracted by that. We get distracted by other things. We, and then we feel like, well, we're not worthy. Because we're not. But when we take our eyes off the abundant grace of God, 
We lose the image of the gift that's been given to us. Then I thought about the idea of being afraid. Like the children of Israel, when they come up to the land of promise, and the spies come back, and they turn them away, and Moses will say in the book of Deuteronomy, because of unbelief, you turned away. Their fear was greater than their confidence in God. They did not have the confidence, the belief that God was greater than all the things the spies came back and spoke about. Has that ever happened to any of us that we've magnified our fears beyond the greatness of God? I think if we're honest with ourselves, we, 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 we may have found ourselves there somewhere along in the spectrum of our life where fear was the paralyzing thing and our fears became greater than our God. Then I thought about how easy it is to be distracted. None of these things in and of themselves are what we would call overt, ugly sins. They're just things that happen to us. I think about distracted. I, I, I think about our lives. To be a husband and a wife is challenging. It takes time. It takes attention. To be a parent, it's, it's a weight. It's a load. Once you decide to have those children, or once those children enter into your life, they're not just there for 18 years. I'm 68 years old, and I'm still a child. To a 97-year-old man, and 94-year-old woman. And I assure you, they are just as concerned about me today as they was when I left home at age 17. And for my 47-year-old son and 44-year-old daughter, I'm just as concerned about them as I was the day I dropped them off at college. That's a weight. That's heavy. It's not that I don't have concern, I don't have confidence in my kids or my parents' lack of confidence in me. I know this world. And then I think about my kids, about my grandkids and their life that they're involved in. And I assuage my, my concern by saying, well, they're not mine. They don't belong to me. They're theirs. And they are. They're not my kids. I don't get to call the shots with them. They're not mine. But will they listen to their parents? Or will their parents be watching? And then I think about that little two or three-week-old great-grandson Grandsons that both Joe and I share a week apart. I'm thinking this is 2023. By the time he's 20, it'll be 2043. What will this hell pit look like then? That's heavy stuff. That's distracting. It takes our focus off of, off of God. And then I thought about this next one, which may be even weightier because we have absolutely no control over it. And that is we just have to wait on the Lord. We don't like to wait, period. If we go to the doctor's office and they immediately call us back to the room to sit and you have your optimism stirred by thinking, I'm going to be out of here in five minutes, you are fooling yourself because it takes them 45 minutes to get to you. And you think, wait a minute, I was going to be out of here. 
We don't like anything that cannot be microwaved. You ever tried to microwave popcorn? It tells you on the bag, three minutes. Don't do it three minutes. You'll have burnt popcorn. Two, two and a half will get you there quick. But compared to what it was when I was a child, Jiffy Pop we thought was great. But for my mother to have that copper pole, copper bottom pan, <coughs> she had to pour the oil in. And had to eat the oil, then pour them in, then put the top on it, and then shake it. That was an eternity for a child to have popcorn. We would not buy popcorn and do popcorn like that today. We like it when we go to the movies and it's all popped fresh. We want to, don't want to sit there and watch them have to pop it till we get our bag. We want things now, don't we? Change the oil in my car yesterday, please. But we have to wait on the Lord. That expression, wait on the Lord, means I understand He's in control and I trust Him absolutely with it. His agenda is not mine. So I think about those things. I think about sometimes we think we know best because our feelings are stronger than our, than our uh, objective trust in God's promises. Am I taking God's grace for granted? We take our eyes off the atonement that the cross offers for us. Think about what it means to be afraid and distracted and then to wait. Those things manifest themselves in our worship. Because we're distracted, because all those things weigh on us, we come in a collective arrangement like this, we're here. But our mind wanders and soon our feet follow. We weren't meant to be alone in our worship. We were meant to do it in a community. How many times does that community responsibility begin to wonder as we wander away? And then we see it take place in God's Word. There's a lack of hungering and thirsting for God's Word. God's Word no longer has that, that suasion, that power, that draw that it once had. When I first opened God's Word and saw God's Word, and I, I realized that here are some powerful things to say, but I've lost my hunger and thirst for it. God's Word no longer stirs me. And then we see it in a cluttered mind. And we put greater trust and confidence in what we can see, what we can touch, what we can feel, what we can and go on down the line in our senses that in a God we have not seen. Isn't it interesting that Peter said, you just Rod, you believe God, greater are those who have not seen Him, believe in Him. That's us. And then I think about, we no longer look forward to seeing Jesus. Jordan says regularly, and he's absolutely right, this is the best day of the week, the first day of the week. And I no, longer, I no longer look forward to it. We wander away and wander from the God we love. I've lost the thrill. I've lost the joy. I'm no longer enamored with what it is to come into an assembly like this, metaphorically speaking, and see Jesus. All those are sad, aren't they? Now, I got past that as quick as I could to get to these few things I want to share with you. I think that at least helped me not to wander away from the God that we should love. They're really very simple. Number one, 
remember. Regularly, Jesus will say, remember your first love. Remember from whence you have fallen. Peter said, I want to stir your minds by putting you in remembrance. Remember. It's a joy and a blessing to teach people the gospel. It's a joy and a blessing to see them born again. This past Tuesday when Chris Leonard was baptized, I was all weighted up. I had taken this thing off, and I did not know how, but that young man was going to be baptized. One arm or not. Jordan providentially shows up, and, she, and Jody says, Jordan, you do it. He can't do it. My wife put me on the bench. And I was so glad Jordan showed up. But what will indelibly be imprinted on my mind is the moment that Chris crested that water after having been buried. Jordan took him and embraced him, and there was a tear on both their cheeks because the burden was now light, had been rolled away. Do we remember that? You remember that first love? And how thrilled, how enamored you were with him or her? She just blew you away, and you were thankful she paid attention to you? And then for years of marriage, you, you're married 48 years, and all of a sudden it becomes mundane and, and just routine with you in your marriage? It, do, do we remember when we first heard the word of the Lord and that gospel that pierced our souls and we realized we were as lost as we could be and we needed to be found and the Lord found us and we were raised after having been buried anew. Every time I get to see one baptized and I'm a part of, I remember that. We can't let the things I mentioned so weight us down that our minds flit away with all the clutter and distractions of life that we forget that passion and that, that sincere, pure heart we had the day we were raised. The second thing I would say, really important, is to acknowledge the anchor point that we set when we put off the old man in mind and put on the new man in mind, and that is our repentance. Remember that we set an anchor that said, I'm no longer going to serve the, Lord, the, the devil, I'm now going to serve the Lord, and every decision I make is going to be filtered through that decision. I'm going to serve him, and when I find myself away from that, I'm going to come right back to that point. I'm never going to pull that anchor up. I remember when that change of mind took place. And I went from saying, I will not, to saying, I will. Remember the day that you came to the Lord, but remember that day that you acknowledged your repentance. That change of mind was there with all the purest intents. But now that mind must continue to be renewed. It's not set. It continues to be renewed. And I bring myself back to that point. 
Do we remember that moment of repentance <coughs> when we said, I will to the Lord? Baptism is a change of relationship. It's the burial of a dead man, the raising of a new man. It's in this repentance that there is a change of will. And when we wander away from the Lord, the God we love, there's been a change of will somewhere, maybe imperceptibly so. But somewhere along the line, that will has changed, and now it's no longer God's will, it is now my will that will be done. I know we, we acknowledge, we, we, we say, no, I'm here, I'm here. I, I, I acknowledge, I, I, I wear all the, the right things, say all the right things, I'm a Christian, but imperceptibly, I've wandered away from God, the God I love, because there's been a change of mind. I've changed back to the mind, I've repented of my repentance now. We must go back to that initial point. The initial point that was the change of our heart with regard to the will that we had that was the anchor of every decision we were going to make from that point forward. And remember our repentance. The third thing. Do. Do the things that you had the passion to do when you first obeyed the gospel. Do the things we were determined to do growing out of that moment that we said, I will now serve Him. This is my new mind. I will do those things. Again, Go back to those early years of dating. Go back to those early years of marriage. Which in dating, you did all the things, we did all the things we possibly could do to attract the attention of the other. We cleaned up, we dressed up, we smelled up, and we showed up. And in doing so, we did all we could to try to persuade them. Please be mine. Remember those things you did? Remember those things you did? Do you remember when you first became a Christian, the things you did? Again, the blessing of teaching people anew is they want to have all the gospel in one great, all the Bible in one big bite. They want to know it all and know it all now. And most times they don't want to keep it to themselves. They want to go tell somebody about it. Most of the time they want to study to the nth degree, to midnight, till they can learn all they can learn. They want to be present to worship the Lord collectively. They want to be a part of that community. They long to be with people who are God's people. <clears throat> Do those things. Do those things. Remember, repent and do. Number four and finally, stay. Stay. Stay with God's people. Don't wander away from them. A grass rope is an interesting instrument. It is wound tightly with small 
inclines of grass rope. And when you have a grass rope where everything is wound tightly with the grass rope, you can't break it, you can't tear it apart. But inevitably what happens with a grass rope as it ages is this. Those little twines that were now tightly wound, they begin to pop up one little hair at a time, one little hair at a time. What you can do is you can take that one little hair and you can snap it off because it's no longer connected. You see, when we're a community, it's like that grass rope. You can't pull us apart. But when we wander away from that community, it's like that one little twine, that one little, one little peg, one little twig, easy to snap off. The value of a community of God's people together, large or small, is that we can stay closer to God because we're part of people who help us be close to God. So you help me. And I try to help you. Stay. Stay. Stay close to God. But as I bring this to a close, I must ask the question I began with. Why would we wonder? Why would we wonder from the God we are supposed to love? We have every reason, folks, to stay connected, focused, a part of God. We have absolutely 100% no reason to wander away. And when we do it, it's to our own folly and our own shame. This idea of wandering away sets in my mind this one thought Where's my treasure? Because if He is my treasure, I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to dig it up. I'm going to sell what I've got. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure He's my treasure. O thou fount of every blessing, let me not wander from thee, wander from the God I love. The one last thing, if we have, we don't have to stay there. If we have, here's the beauty. If we have fellowship one with another and we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive. We can come back to Him. Isn't that great? And so if we can help you this morning, either find him, or if you've wandered away, if you need to go in your closet and pray to God, you do that. If in some way we can help, you come while we stand and while we sing. Thank you for connecting with us this morning. We're so thankful that you were able to do that. If you have questions, we'd love to have the opportunity to talk to you. You can contact us at www.thebibleway.com or questions at thebibleway.com questions at thebibleway.com we'd love to have you in person come if you can but thank you for connecting with us